0: Welcome to What Christians Should Know, How You Can Apply Biblical Principles to Everyday Life. Good day to all. My name is Dr. Elijah Sadafal. Welcome to What Christians Should Know, Episode 2.9, The Christian Walk or Sanctification. As always, I invite all my listeners to visit the official home of What Christians Should Know at wcsk.org. There you will find a host of free resources that will empower you to know what you believe and why you believe it. Now let's get started. So how sanctification applies to your everyday life is simple, because sanctification provides a practical guide for Christian living. Christians are never meant to be perfect, but are meant to make incremental progress in their walk with God. Still, we vigorously strive for the high goal of holiness, exemplified by Jesus. So don't feel discouraged because less than perfect performance is in fact quite normal. So tell me if this sounds familiar. You do something that you know is wrong and even tell yourself that you shouldn't be doing it while you're doing it, yet you do it anyway. When the event is over you look at yourself and ask, what's wrong with me? You then begin to wonder if in fact you are truly saved. And if someone who's supposed to know God can think and act like this, you get saddened and feel too ashamed to approach God, pray about it, or talk to someone else about it. You especially don't want to talk to another Christian about it because they may harshly judge you. Or perhaps you look back on your day and realize you said or did something that was very unchristian. You're shocked because doing the unchristian thing came so naturally. So you begin to wonder if your Bible reading and all the church you've attended was all a waste of time. Or maybe you just feel inadequate. Maybe you look at other Christians or read about other Christians and think, they seem to have it all together and I don't. What am I doing wrong? Or maybe someone told you that once you got saved, life would be easy. The problem is that statement doesn't reflect your reality. Even more, whenever you do take a step closer to God, life always seems to get more difficult and frustrating. Wouldn't it be easier just to leave God alone? The purpose of this chapter is to address these familiar and common questions of the everyday Christian experience. It is a lesson intended to illustrate the fact that as believers, we will always fall short of the biblical ideal until the final day of glorification in God's kingdom. Because, after all, if we did reach the ideal here on earth, there would be no reason to concern ourselves with anything else. This assertion is not meant to encourage sin, nor is it meant to dissuade anyone from continuously pressing on toward the ideal. The bar is set high so you know where to aim in the process of moving toward a goal. That process has a set destination, but you certainly will stumble and fall along the way toward that destination. Just ask the Apostle Peter, who fell into the water and route towards Jesus, who stood atop the water in Matthew 14, verses 22 to 33. Just like in that story, the good news for us is that when we fall, God is there to help us back onto our feet. The Christian walk is a walk because it is a step-by-step, incremental process. It's not a Christian event, and the process of becoming more holy and like Christ is a lifelong endeavor. I've always admired the title of chapter 12 in Dr. Ed Murphy's The Handbook of Spiritual Warfare. The title of that chapter is The Reality of Below Normal Performance. This simple title speaks volumes. Below-normal performance is real. It's not a tale of mythical Christians. In fact, if you ever do meet a Christian that says they have reached the ideal and are perfect, then shake their hand and say, thank you for showing me what pride looks like. Below-normal will always be the case simply because normal, or perfect holiness, is unobtainable. Performance means that we, as human beings, do actively participate and perform in the process. So yes, while sanctification is difficult, we are certainly responsible for what we do. Sanctification means becoming more like Jesus, and our sanctification is God's will. Doing God's will, or obedience, pleases God, and as we grow in our sanctification, the more we please God. Sanctification refers to the process of setting oneself apart from the world and from that separation results holiness. The only one to perfectly obey God's will and to perfectly obtain God's righteousness, Jesus, is described as having a zeal for his father's house that consumed him, and his food was to do the will of his father. Consequently, the separation of sanctification is grounded in the truth of God's word. Sanctification is a progressive work that is ongoing throughout our lives, And this is a cooperative work between God and us that make us more like Christ and therefore free from sin. So whenever you think about your growth in your walk with God, whether it be, for example, the growth of deep internal markers like peace, joy, and self-control, or external markers like love of your neighbor and obedience, then what you are thinking about is sanctification. Notice, too, that external changes always result from the deep inward change. And what is another practical example of what those external changes look like? The prophet Micah in the Old Testament succinctly tells us what is good. As it says in Micah 6.8, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Regeneration, or being born again, is an event that happens at the start of our Christian life. Sanctification is a result of regeneration and continues throughout our walk with God. Christians are all those who are sanctified, as it says in Acts 20.32. The Christian life is therefore characterized by continual growth, increasing holiness, and becoming more and more like Jesus. Jesus. In many ways, the quote-unquote normal Christian experience is not characterized by where you are now, but where you are destined to go. This way, different people will take different routes and go through different peaks and valleys, but everyone has their compass set on the same location. In a similar light, sanctification points to the fact that the Christian life is to be characterized by productivity And that productivity will tend to be unique from person to person. For example, one person may be an effective Bible teacher but is a poor administrator. They will be the most productive in teaching. Another person may render service through music but wouldn't know what to do if asked to preach. They would be the most productive with a choir, band, or with sheet music. Even before the fall of humankind, it was always God's intent for us to cultivate and keep what had been given to us. Cultivate and keep are the exact verbs used in Genesis 2.15. These English words are respectively translated from Hebrew words that mean to labor, work, or serve, and to guard, observe, and protect. The pursuit of holiness, then, is not limited to the individual or to exclusively religious affairs. It encroaches upon, for example, interpersonal relationships and vocation. In a contemporary sense, cultivating and keeping is analogous to planting good seeds, for example, raising children, that will bear fruit, which will then bear an even greater number of fruit, for example, training evangelists or co workers at your job. It also means safeguarding the gifts given to you, for example, responsible use of money and time, and cherishing one's spouse. Sloth is anathema to sanctification, as is incessant busyness without actual production of real value. The last point to make on what is sanctification is to detail what it is not. The pursuit of holiness is just that, a pursuit. Sanctification is not characterized by pure carnality. A life consumed, then, by consistent and overwhelming sin, without the pursuit of holiness and without the gradual manifestation of fruits of the Spirit is not a Christian life. Of course, many people will say they are Christians, but that proclamation without resultant works is a void proclamation. The three stages of sanctification. Because sanctification is a process, it has a definite beginning, middle, and end. We are all born figuratively blind in a state of spiritual darkness, unable to see the things of the Kingdom of God. Hence, the beginning of sanctification happens at regeneration, where we are washed and renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit. This initiates a change that turns us away from a habitual pattern of sin and toward Jesus. Just as Jesus interacted with the blind man in Mark 8 verses 22-26, 20 once God touches us, we go from a state of spiritual blindness to cloudy vision, and ultimately to a state where we see things clearly. Of course, this change is only made possible by the blood sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. So when Paul writes to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 6.11, he says, You were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. This phrase, you were sanctified, in Greek, denotes an activity that was completed in the past and continues to have present results. A similar expression also appears in Hebrews 10.10. Moreover, 2 Thessalonians 2.13 highlights the process of the continuity of sanctification. The text says, "...but we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification, by the Spirit and faith in the truth. This brief passage also clarifies that those who are sanctified are sanctified as a result of the sovereign choice of God, and this choice is actualized by the Holy Spirit and earned by Jesus. Jesus is also the perfect example we look to as the goal of our sanctification. So, 1 Peter 1.2 says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. The middle of sanctification essentially is the lifelong process in our Christian lives here on earth. Sanctification ends at glorification, the final stage in the chain of salvation. Glorification will not happen in this life and we wait for heaven for this to occur. What this means for our present reality is two things. 1. A Christian is unable to say, I have defeated sin, and therefore obtained sinless perfection in their natural lives. 2. A Christian is unable to say, sin has defeated me. This is so because the process will not be completed in the present, and God refuses to leave His elect alone. So at times we may feel as if we've lost or we may want to stay put or even go back to what we were doing yet just like peter went back to fishing after he denied jesus 3 times jesus found him where he was and did not allow him to regress so christ tells peter in john 21:18 when you were younger you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished but when you grow old You will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you to where you do not wish to go. We are made perfect in the assembly of God. So when Paul writes in Romans that believers have been set free from sin and are dead to sin and alive to God, this assertion is made against the backdrop that sin still exists and is something that believers should not yield to. Hence, Peter writes in the future tense that we are to become partakers of a divine nature. Paul writes about pressing on, being renewed. Hebrews talks about striving and James writes about doing. In the end, effort is crucial and purposeful resolve is essential. This resolve is dependent on God's grace and this grace empowers us to forget what was and to press on for what will be. The defeat of the past may discourage us, but the steadfast promises of God are what inspire us to march ahead. Granted, there are several verses and a command by Jesus Himself in Matthew 5.48 that essentially tell believers to be perfect. By implication, some say this suggests being perfect is therefore possible and sinless perfection is obtainable in this life. Yet, when we allow Scripture to interpret Scripture, we realize that God commands us to do things all the time that we repeatedly disobey. For example, love your neighbor as yourself. This paradigm began in the Garden of Eden and has continued ever since. In fact, the entire Bible is a testimony to the utter inability for normal humans to obey God's commands. Hence, the command for perfection sets our destination, or the bar that we are to aim for. The wisest man in the entire Bible, Solomon, wrote, There is not a righteous man on earth who continually does good and who never sins. This also helps to clarify how the writer of 1 John can tell us that no one who abides in him sins, no one who sins has seen him or knows him, yet can also tell us that if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Those two verses come from 1 John 3.6 and 1 John 1.8. The idea that a person can achieve perfection here on earth leads to one of the most toxic and destructive sins imaginable: spiritual pride. This pride simultaneously elevates one's performance to divine standards and annuls the requirements of God's law. If sanctification does anything, it reveals how imperfect we really are. This concludes part one of the Christian walk, Join me next week when I will talk about how you can engage in the process of sanctification and what it actually looks like in your everyday life. And I will also discuss the barriers to sanctification. See you next week and God bless. Thank you for listening to What Christians Should Know. For more valuable content, please visit us at chesadafel.com. For general inquiries, email us at info at wcsk.org.